Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening to you all. This is the Business Day Spotlight, your destination for African business made simple. My name is Mdiwa Gavaza, and for today, we do get into a conversation just around uh, the future of mobility um, in and around South Africa and the world. And to help us to navigate that discussion for today, uh, we are going to be talking to Tinashe Ruzane, who is a co-founder and the CEO of Flex Club. Um, they have a very interesting model because they describe themselves as a subscription car service and we're going to be getting into a discussion about what that actually means. They're looking at a future um, where we are beyond buying cars, beyond leasing cars, beyond renting cars and they're saying subscriptions um, is the way forward and it seems you know everywhere you turn right now in the world of technology you know more and more subscription models are turning up whether it's software, whether it's you know creative stuff you know creating those uh, recurring annuity-based um, incomes is the goal of a lot of businesses out there. And, you know, he's actually saying that consumer trends are actually leading us towards that stage. And they've actually received some backing, you know, for a number of big players. And recently, even Avis was like, okay, fine, guys, you know, this thing, you know, I think we think it's got, uh, it's got some potential. We think it's got some future. Tinashe, greetings to you today. Thank you, Madiwa. Great to be here with you. Um, I think just a good place for us to start usually when it comes to these discussions, we like to get a sense of uh, the, the organization that you're coming from. Uh, maybe you can give us a little bit about Flex Club, you know, um, a little bit around, you know, the company, how did it start? Because you guys haven't been around for that long. It's been a relatively right. short short time, but you guys have been able to grow quite a bit. Indeed. So still quite a young business, a little over three years old. The origin story of Flex Club really you know, emanates from our careers at Uber. So myself, I was previously the head of vehicle solutions for Uber yeah. across Europe, Middle East, and Africa. And that team within Uber is a team trying to increase access for vehicles, two vehicles for the community of ride-sharing drivers. Yeah. Um, and I was looking after that team across Europe, Middle East, and Africa and engaging with a lot of the car manufacturers, banks, leasing companies, car rental companies, and then started to realize what the gap was. Why is it that these folks struggle to create new products or struggle to innovate? Uh, and that's what really was the foundation for the idea behind Flesh Club, which was how can we help augment what these fleets offer to allow them to create products that are more appropriate for the modern consumer, yeah. whether that be a Uber driver or a consumer that just wants a vehicle for personal use or even a business. Yeah. Um, and so we started building this business now. At this point, we've raised uh, a little over 100 million rand, yeah. a little over $6 million in total, also you know, powered, powered by some debt as well alongside that, that, that capital that we've raised. The largest backers we have are folks out in the US or so venture capital firms like Kindred Ventures and CRE Venture Capital that are backing the idea that we can build technology yeah. that helps augment the, the products that fleets like Avis, like you mentioned, um, are looking to now get out there. And really at the, at the core of it was this idea or this belief that mobility needed to become more flexible. Yeah. It needed to become a service. As the price of cars continue to increase, the rate at which wages or salaries increase would not keep up with that inflation. Yeah. Um, so cars are becoming a lot more sophisticated. Electrification is one of the trends that drives that. But also there's great autonomy, autonomous vehicles, the idea of cars driving themselves. As, as that technology continues to enter your vehicle, 
suffice to say that the, the price of that car will become more expensive and that will just become less and less practical to finance. You know, so some of the banks have responded, and it's not just a South African issue, but some of the banks have responded to that you know, outside of South Africa where they've extended loan terms. But we think there is a ceiling to that. And that's why we firmly believe that subscriptions are the right way to go. Um, and you know, in our world, the subscription is basically somewhere in between a lease yeah. and a short-term rental. Yeah. So this is not you know, where you go to get your car for, for a weekend away at the beach. Um, so it's a minimum of 30 days, yeah. um, but also you're not bound to a car for six years, which is typically the construct of you know, vehicle financing. Yeah. So somewhere in between, we feel that that flexibility is what the modern mobility consumer or user needs. And that's why we decided to start building you know, Flex Club, working with fleets that exist uh, in South Africa and, and more recently also Mexico. Mm. Now, uh, you know, if you're listening to this uh, podcast and you are a, a long-time follower, then you hear that, uh, you know, it sounds like myself and Tinashe are in the same room. And it's because I'm at Workshop 17 over in Rosebank, and this is where, you know, they're based. And it sort of seems, you know, in keeping with the trend, you know, because a lot of these spaces is where a lot of the startups are finding themselves in spaces like this, you know, in offering the flexibility you know, that you're talking about. Is this one of those places that you guys are finding yourselves either reducing on costs or, you know, is this part of the model? It, it is. I mean, to some extent, you know, because we are a distributed team. Yeah. So over 50 people um, in 12 cities around the world. Yeah. Um, and by design, we all needed a flexible approach to real estate as a team. We don't have one big office building that everyone drives to. Yeah. Um, so we have spaces like this, Workshop 17. We use Workshop 17 in, in Johannesburg. We use Workshop 17 in Cape Town. Yeah. In Amsterdam, we use TNW, which is part of the Financial Times Group. And then in Mexico, we use WeWork. Yeah. Um, so a mix of you know flexible spaces, which I think is certainly on trend now, yeah. post-COVID, you know, folks are realizing that you don't need these massive motherships. And uh, you can have these satellite offices, that allow folks to have access to meeting rooms, you know, problem solve as groups, uh, but also have the flexibility to work from home. So this hybrid sort of uh, working arrangement is definitely something that we had already adopted prior to the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so because we're, we're kind of cut from this technology cloth. Um, so just continue to do that, you know, throughout. So nothing new for us here. Nothing new for you here. So maybe we can now maybe zoom in on three terms that you brought out just now, which perhaps could lend themselves to us actually fully understanding what the subscription model is. Because you said you sort of sit in between what is uh, a conventional lease on the one hand uh, or vehicle financing and then on the other side you've got short-term rentals maybe we can get into each one and maybe what pieces of each you guys have taken and what have you introduced that's new into this you know so that people can understand because someone who's listening might just say but Tinashe this is just a this is I'm renting this is, this is a rent no 100% it, it it bears a lot of similarity I think the, the key thing for us was in the context of mobility or cars, the connotation of rental is a short-term one. Um, and that's why globally the industry has moved away from referring to it as, as a rental. Obviously, when you think about property and how people contrast renting versus you know, buying and having a mortgage, that's, that's, it's a little more well-known that renting an apartment is a long-term commitment. It's at least a one-year commitment. While in the context of cars, 
uh, it's perceived as a one, two day, three day sort of affair. Um, and that's why subscriptions really came to the fore, taking advantage as well of this awareness and comfort now, familiarity that folks now have with the subscription model. The fact that I pay one fixed monthly fee and I get access to the underlying services. So you mentioned content as, as one of those uh, services that's now made that transition from you know, selling retail retail units. So we're not selling CDs anymore. No, nobody's flicking through CD racks anymore. We're now just paying one monthly fee to access a library of songs that it's, where it's not our responsibility to make sure that you know, that library is maintained and, and kind of kept up to date. A similar principle exists in, in this mobility space. And, and this is why subscriptions as a term was appropriate because you're not necessarily optimizing for buying the car, um, but you have access to a fleet of cars yeah. um, where someone else's responsibility is to maintain it and make sure that the quality of that fleet is always you know, in tip-top shape. Um, and this is the role that you know, partners that use our platform, like Avis, Europe Car, several other rental companies, even leasing companies, using our platform to distribute. This is the role that they fully accept and they rely on us to drive digital distribution. Um, because that's that's a competency that we've built that may not necessarily have been something that they were investing in, but when you marry the, when you marry these two competencies, um, it becomes quite a frictionless, seamless service for for the end user. Um, and this is why we chose to anchor with on the subscription term versus versus rental. And maybe one of the things we also try to understand from uh, the businesses that we talk to is how do you guys make a rand like uh, you know where the actual business model itself uh, because it's uh, what you call it's a subscription model it's not what people are typically used to so whatever notions people might have just around how the likes of avis hertz etc make their money or the banks make their money on the financing side maybe you could give us some insight into how you guys have set yourselves up absolutely so the key thing to understand I find like what's normally helpful is to unpack the value chain yeah. of whatever the service is um, and, and what that looks like with or without, you know, a business like us or any business that you might be interrogating. So without us, if you think about the value chain, how Avis gets a vehicle into the hands of a customer, that value chain is very differently structured to the way, you know, we operate. But in particular, they go out and, you know, would negotiate with a car manufacturer, go buy a fleet of cars, arrange the financing for those cars, then have real estate where they park those cars. You know, what most consumers would understand as a branch, employ staff that then man that branch. Um, and then when a customer wants to have access to that vehicle, they go to that branch um, and, and, and collect that vehicle, present their credit card, present their driver's license, which the branch staff then validate this is a you know, real customer, a customer that we're willing to give a car to, uh, following which they hand over the keys, off the customer goes into the parking lot, gets in the car, and and that's what initiates a transaction. In our context, it's all online. So how do you get to the same end result where the transaction is concluded online without the customer ever needing to interface with the brick and mortar environment? Yeah. Um, and because we're playing this role in the value chain and, and supporting distribution, we share revenue with our partners. Oh saying but the share the share of revenue that they that they share with us uh, in our world and in the ideal world is actually lower also results in a higher profitability for them per unit than in some of the existing you know distribution channels so very much an omni-channel approach that that they take meaning they use multiple distribution channels it's quite similar to 
to conventional retail. You know, you can be a Tiger Brands, you can be a Unilever. Yes, you might choose to build your own stores yeah. to get Kellogg's into the hands of Mudiwa. Yeah. But it's probably more practical for you to partner with Pick and Pay, to partner with Checkers and say, instead, I'm rather just going to have, you know, uh, Pick and Pay and, and Checkers market and promote and sell that box of cereal instead of me having to take on the other costs if I did, if I did all of the, distribu- the distribution work or tasks myself. Yeah. Uh, and in exchange, Pick and Pay earns a cut in the value chain for doing that. And that's it's quite similar to, to us where we're just earning a share of that revenue uh, that, that Avis earns through our platform. Okay, cool. And zooming in on Avis, uh, because now we've been able to sort of go through what Flix Club does what the subscription uh, business uh, model is, how it differentiates itself from the leasing and, you know, the, the rentals, etc. Um, you guys announced something, I believe it was last week, um, just around the deal, the deal with uh, Avis. Could you talk to us about that? Yeah, sure. So the, you know, key evolution there is we started our partnership in South Africa with Avis Car Rental. Yeah. And Avis Car Rental inherently had you know, month-to-month products, shorter-term products um, that they were distributing to customers via our platform. What we, you know, got feedback on from customers, what they were, they were looking for, longer-term products that had, you know, lower pricing benefits. Um, and so we started working with Avis Fleet, which is the leasing arm of Avis, yeah. to help them design a product that could accommodate this need that many of these customers were asking for. So how do you get a 12-month or a 24-month subscription which is still shorter than typical vehicle financing, which is in South Africa for the most part six years, five or six years. And so it still you know, has some flexibility, but maybe less flexibility than, than the month-to-month offer and then have pricing benefits of um, this longer term. And that's what we rolled out with Avis. It's now a pilot that we're rolling out in Gauteng, starting off in Gauteng with a limited batch of vehicles and then extend, looking to extend that to a wider range of vehicles where customers can come and subscribe for, for any car for 12 months or 24 months um, on our platform instead of only having just the month-to-month uh, offers. Um, so this is something we're really excited about. You know, Post that launch as well, we've seen interest from other leasing companies now saying this may be the opportune time to roll out um, our version or our variation of consumer leasing. You know, consumer leasing, I think a lot of the auto industry executives that may even be listening to this podcast may have you know, feeling that South Africa was never really the right market. That's why it never really took off here. But now with a lot of the other macro trends you know, taking hold, like cars becoming more expensive, uh, consumers being less aware of what the optimal residual value of a car is, basically how to manage a car end-to-end or its life cycle, leasing or subscribing is becoming a lot more practical for a lot more consumers um, and importantly, a lot more inclusive or accessible. Um, So we're excited about that. We're seeing the same trend validated in Mexico um, and we're excited to see what this Avis Fleet product does on our platform and, and obviously what we can do for other leasing companies in South Africa. Okay, cool. So if I can maybe understand what you're saying for someone who's never heard of subscriptions before and they're like, my car has a subscription, this still sounds a bit hazy to me. You guys were working with, you started out, you come up with the idea and you one of the first people you work with is Avis. You know, and they're like, okay, cool. Let's let's try this thing out. So through Avis's fleet, uh, because they have... Cars in their rental in the rental part of their business, 
you know, you're able to offer, I guess, some of the inventory that's available on the Flex Club platform was coming from Avis's rental department. And those were month-to-month subscriptions. Now you switch over and now to bridge the gap of saying, okay, fine, for the ones that want to have a car for longer than, you know, want to subscribe maybe longer than month to month, maybe a six months, a year, two years, whatever it is, let's go to the leasing department. Because I'm not thinking to myself about that description you gave at the beginning to say, you know, there's a spectrum. 100%, that's exactly right. So it's the same, how do you allow the customer to move across that spectrum as they see fit to suit their lifestyle, where you're not forcing them into one construct, which is what vehicle financing is. You know, don't care who you are, I'm going to offer you a five or six year loan in order for this to be affordable for you. Um, and in fact, I think the way those loans are being structured now is a lot more risky than they would have been maybe 20 years ago. So the default, the vast majority of South Africans are now actually taking what's called the balloon payment, Balloon payment meaning there's a chunk of the vehicle that is not being financed. It will be paid as a lump sum at the end of the financing arrangement. Um, and what that practically means is that the customer is taking the depreciation risk there. Um, and in effect, they are renting the car from the bank with an obligation to buy the car from the bank at the end of that six years. Yeah. Very, very risky, especially in light of you know, what's happening around residual values and and what's practical there. Um, And so we just felt that, well, if that's the case, the data shows that the average South African new car buyer wants to trade in their car after three years. Mm -hmm. So people are no longer, you know, committed to this idea of driving a car until the wheels fall off. And if if that's the case, then they should just be getting access to a service. And, And we asked ourselves, who's providing that service? And the answer was no one. Um, and that's why we thought that, well, this is an opportune time for us to bring our technology, work together with the fleets that have you know, deep expertise in the space. They know how to buy cars, maximize useful life of a car, or at least manage the useful life of a car. Um, they can maintain them. All the fleet management responsibilities are certainly in their wheelhouse. If we just act as a distributor you know, of their vehicles, but a distributor that converts their core product suite into a more flexible product, we think this could appeal to a lot more customers in South Africa. And that was really what the experiment was in January 2021. Mm-hmm. And suffice to say, now we're incredibly pleased that the experiment proved to be a successful one. And hence, we're looking to invest more in scaling up the subscription construct in South Africa. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing about subscriptions I should mention is that you know the typical car buying experience comes with a lot of administration and complexity that uh, can be quite technical. Uh, and you know, some folks you know, fall into the trap of destroying their financial value when they do these deals because they're only optimizing for the monthly cost. You know, so thinking about this balloon payment, there's a reason why that on a TV advert, it's marketed in very small fine print. When you see the big sticker saying, get this car for 2999, press pause and read that fine print yeah. and see what it says. It will tell you that that's based on a 72-month deal with a 35% balloon, meaning, again, you're committing to rent the car from the bank, take all the depreciation risk. If the car ends up being worth less than what you owe the bank, who's going to pay for that? Yeah, that is absolutely you. Mm-hmm. So you're basically borrowing from your future, a future that you have no visibility of. Mm-hmm. Um, and in exchange, 
maybe giving up a lot more financial value than you should have had you had you know the foresight. Um, so that that in particular is really what you know we think we we should be addressing yeah. you know through uh, converting this to a service. Um, and excited to see now that a lot more consumers are are waking up to the idea that cars are not a great vehicle, no pun intended, <laughs> for building equity. Yeah. If you want to build financial wealth, if you want to build financial value, you know, doing that through a car is not the best way. In fact, my favorite example here is if you take 2020 and the average car in South Africa is, let's just call it 300,000 rand for ease of math, but it's a little over 300,000 rand, new car, average new car. If you put 300,000 rand at the beginning of 2020 into Tesla stock, at the end of 2020, that 300,000 rand would be worth 2.1 million rand, mm. right? So again, thinking about this concept of building equity, if I had put my money in stock versus if I said, no, I've saved up enough money now for my car, let me go buy, let me give the dealer 300,000 rand cash. Yeah. Um, it's pretty obvious who's better off, who had actually successfully built equity in that time frame. And I think now a lot more consumers have greater access to other means through which they can build equity. You know, my parents didn't have the same means to, to, to buy stock in you know, a US listed entity the same way I do because we have apps like Easy Equities or in the US they have Robinhood. Um, that's just a lot more accessible. We could even buy shares of property. Yeah. You know, you don't have to buy the whole property, a share of a property. Um, where I think before the contract was, no, son, when you finish your education and you start work, you know, you get yourself a, a good car that's reliable, you work well, you get promoted, you save up, you just put a deposit for a house and focus on doing that for the next 20, 30 years of your career. That was it. When now there's just a lot more options that we have. Yeah, no, now it's 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 a completely different uh, mindset. And also at the same time, I, I guess it lends itself to that whole discussion around the fact that I think for even our parents' generation, the cost of living itself has, uh, you know, skyrocketed. You know, the things that they were able to afford, you know, back in the day on those car payments, on those mortgage payments is, you know, is a much different discussion to what we, uh, our generation is facing at the moment. Uh, but maybe you could talk to us about the consumer, right? Because I've followed Flex Club for some time and I know that in the beginning, there were a lot of Uber drivers, for example, that were on the platform. So maybe you could talk to us about who's actually coming in and using uh, subscriptions. Who who's enticed by it the most? Who have you found actually using it? Yeah. So on the demand side of our platform, uh, we have three groups of users. We have what we call workers. And so those that need a vehicle or access to a fleet to work um, and those workers or those that are using platforms flat pl platforms like Uber or Bolt um, or even Uber Eats. And then we have consumers, those that need access to a vehicle for personal use. And then we have businesses. Businesses are, it's, it's still very much a pilot, but something we're, we're optimistic about. The idea of a small business that needs access to a fleet to run its business naturally. Um, but right now, 90% of our customer base or user base in South Africa are actually consumers. Yeah. So the first two years uh, of our journey were focused entirely on workers. Um, and that's also because we felt that that was a segment that was incredibly poorly served by the, the options that were out there. We felt we could you know, bring some formality, give them a better experience, um, and then help, help them sort of graduate into, you know, 
uh, more pre professional access to vehicles where everything's covered. Um, and then in 2021, naturally launched this consumer product and that consumer product is now our biggest product. Um, so on the consumer side, there are a wide range of folks, different types of use cases. So you could be someone that's, you know, moved to a city for a very defined period of time. Maybe you're just there for a six month contract or 12 month contract. Obviously it's not practical for you to go and get a loan yeah. uh, to have a vehicle in that city. Uh, you could be an expat that might be just finding your feet. Um, it could be someone that is referred to by the financial services ecosystem as thin file, meaning you haven't done enough borrowing yet for anybody to know whether or not you're good at it. So therefore, nobody's going to give you yeah. any credit. doesn't necessarily mean you're bad. Yeah. Um, we just don't know. We just don't know. Yeah. Uh, but that means you're excluded. Um, so folks like that could also access a subscription. Um, and then finally, you just have what I call the, the, the veterans that are a little more bruised. They're, it's not their first rodeo. They've been down the road of taking a loan and they've made the mistake of taking a balloon payment on their car financing and then wanted to switch at some point and realized, uh-oh, the bank says I need to pay 70,000 Rand to close off this loan. Um, and just, they have just fallen out of love with the idea of debt associated with cars. They now appreciate that in their entire life or professional career, but the car has actually just been an expense. It's been it's a service that they need, um, and they're comfortable now just you know committing to to that that idea that it's a service. So the average consumer that subscribes for vehicles between the age of thirty to thirty nine on our platform, um, so already kind of speaks to what profile that is. Yeah. Earns more than thirty thousand rand a month. Um, so definitely, you know comfortably in this middle-class categorization and above. Um, and those folks, it's exciting for us to see that those folks are realizing that it's actually just more practical to have, to treat a car as a service than a vehicle I'm trying to build equity through. Let's get into some practicals, all right? Because driving a car, you know, if you go ice skating uh, or even rollerblading, you know, you, you rent out the skates, right. uh, you know, and all of that. Um, you know, you use them, you have a fun time, you leave them there, right? The risk that the owner of the skates and the rollerblades takes, you know, in giving you those shoes to use for the hour is different from, you know, um, an Avis, uh, a fleet owner, who gives you a car and says, go have fun for the next six months as long as you give us our money, yeah. right? So people might want, be, might be interested to know then what happens in the situation of, because part of the complexity of owning a car is insurance, is, uh, you know, what happens in uh, car accidents is maintenance. I think that's also a very big one, especially for people that buy cars out of warranty, for example. You're always thinking about, ish, you know, do I really want to service the car or do I want that mechanic under the tree to just touch it together? You know, uh, how are you guys, uh, how, uh, how are you guys navigating those aspects? Yeah, so this is also why it's appropriate to kind of partner with folks that are experts in the fleet space, where their core business is managing fleets and understanding the costs related with that. Um, there's there's a there's a joke in the industry that you know selling cars is it's like a sport between amateurs and professionals. The amateurs are the customers or the consumers. The professionals are you know the folks that actually sell them uh, because they appreciate what the likely residual value of this vehicle will be. They appreciate what the maintenance costs or the cost of kind of 
you know, keeping that car on the road are way more than what the customer or consumer does. At least most customers don't have an appreciation for what those costs are. And so that's why it's, it's better to kind of rely on the expertise of a business like an Avis fleet or an Avis car rental or a Europe car or any of the partners that are using our platform because that is their core business. Uh, and they've priced in maintenance cover um, and what they call a waiver, which is essentially in the event of an accident or in the event of theft, that you are still you are still protected, that you don't have to kind of shell out, you know, three hundred thousand rand now because the car's been stolen. So it's not like you're you're completely exposed. Um, so it's quite similar to the construct of insurance. Um, so there's no need in our context. There's no need for additional insurance. There's no need for a maintenance plan. It's all included. So this is what makes it a hassle-free experience, um, where the typical car buying experience is one where. After you leave that dealer floor, most likely before you leave that dealer floor, you've picked up the phone and you've spoken to a number of insurers. Maybe you've used an aggregator to try to get some quotes and figure out who's going to give you insurance. Um, and maybe you would have had to haggle and figure out, okay, do I want a service plan or a maintenance plan? Do I even know what the difference is between a service plan and a maintenance plan? What are the cost implications of that? Um, maybe I just take the risk myself. And so all, all of those things can become very quickly, quite technical. Uh, we've removed all of that so that this is just a very, very simple buying experience. You know, our, our view is this should be as easy as ordering a pizza on Uber Eats. You should have to think about it much more. You know, so when you come onto our site and you order the car, we commit to give you that car in less than seven days. To yeah. so order the car, car's delivered to your home in seven days. Everything's included. There's nothing else for you to think about. Um, if you want to change that car, if you're on a month-to-month contract, great. Next cycle, just change the car. Oh, wow. Not, nothing, nothing, nothing to it. I can just switch up. Just switch the car. Yeah. Uh, if you decide, you know what, actually, I'm going to ride my bicycle for the next six months. I don't need a car anymore. Just cancel your subscription. Yeah. That's it. So it's a service. And so I think the considerations that you mentioned, certainly on the fleet side, because a lot of our technology is built to serve the fleet side, we make it our business to understand risk and study risk. So we have a lot of alternative data sets that we use to assess. If we allow this customer to get into a vehicle from one of our partners, are we exposing our partner to more risk? Um, so there's an obligation there for us to use our technology to, to almost defend them against um, in some of this bad risk. Um, and that's where we've invested a lot of our time over the last three years. But the, the key thing for us here is that these risks are quite similar to what you might face in the, this is why we use the real estate sector as an anchor, yeah. quite similar to, to real estate. What are the risks that a landlord faces when they pick a tenant and decides and decide who goes and lives in, in their property? Yeah. Um, in the case of property, it's way more complicated to unwind a transaction if the wrong decision was made. Because then you're talking about an eviction, you're talking about you know court orders and all that jazz, uh, where in the context of mobility, it doesn't have to be quite so involved because it uh, that the precedent is there through what the car rental companies have really done for you know many decades preceding this. Um, but yes, there definitely are more considerations than just maybe passing out a, a pair of rollerblades or ice skates <laughs> because it's a three hundred thousand rand asset. Yeah. Um, but the principles are, are, are quite similar. The fact that the majority of South Africans actually rent their home versus you know, take a mortgage for their home yeah. already points to the fact that there's an opportunity here in this construct of renting slash subscribing. Yeah. Uh, again, we refer to the subscriptions because it's the, the, the term rental is already owned by short term. Yeah. 
Um, so to avoid kind of confusing the customer here, uh, subscription is what we've anchored on, and not just us, but globally, what the entire auto industry is anchoring on, referring to this uh, subscription. Um, and we think we definitely think South Africa is ripe to make this transition, move away from optimizing for selling cars to optimizing for providing a mobility experience or service to the customer. Uh, that's all inclusive, hassle-free. You can just <laughs> click, click, and cars at your door. Click, click, cars at your door. Um, I, I think before we come to the end of today's discussion, maybe I feel it's necessary to maybe zoom out a bit, you know, take a look at the bigger picture. Right, you're you are one of the co-founders of the company, and you guys probably have a vision and goal of where it is that you guys want to go. You've already spoken to us about the evolution um, on the supply side. You've spoken about the evolution on the demand side, um, even right. So, bigger picture, where are we going? Because just listening to you talking, uh, there are a couple of natural questions that come. For example, do you guys want to own? you know, a warehouse of vehicles one day. Secondly, um, are you, what do you call this? Are you in a situation where, you know, one day I might get, you know, bicycles or rollerblades or anything else, and you know, that's available on Flex Club or are you just capping it at just cars? Uh, both very good questions. I think I'll answer the first because sometimes it's, it's difficult to be, you know, rigid, you know, about what you might think this, this looks like. But anything that allows us to be a stronger ally to our partners yeah. is something we'll consider seriously. So if our partners see value in us having some sort of shared real estate, to use that pick and pay example, if they see us having the real estate where all products can just be there and then dispatch from there, um, we'd certainly be open to it. Yeah. But it's not part of our strategy today. Yeah. Um, our partners already have their own you know, real estate that for now, is fit for purpose. Uh, so that's that's number one. Number two on you know expanding to other assets. Absolutely, that is part of the that is part of the vision. You know, so you know our platform is looking to serve two constituents. On the one side, companies that have assets yeah. that are committed to the idea of providing those assets to users through a service. I'm not trying to sell those, only sell those assets. Um, and whatever those companies might look like. We believe they can benefit from thinking about our platform as a distribution tool. One of the distribution channels that they leverage in their mix of distribution channels. Um, and we think there are a lot more companies like that that are waking up to the opportunity in subscriptions um, that would be happy to, to, to work with us. And as far as what assets they have, you know, time will tell. But I can really tell you now that we've seen interest from motorcycle fleets. You know, so the likes of Avis Europe can not necessarily optimizing. We don't haven't built a massive you know, motorcycle fleet. There are other folks out there that are looking to make that their core business and we're excited to help them you know, build this subscription offering on, on our platform. On the demand side, I mentioned that so we've got workers, consumers, uh, but we're just now scratching the surface on the business side. It's, it's definitely something that's quite exciting when you think about how a business can have flexible a flexible fleet. You know, so in periods of high demand, your fleet is at 50 vehicles. In periods of low demand, you can scale that down to 20 vehicles. Um, what that means for business resilience, business agility, think about that in the context of this pandemic. Yeah. You know, businesses that relied on having fleets, if they had that service underpinning you know, their business, a lot, a lot easier to kind of navigate you know, up or down. Yeah. Um, 
But you know, with that thing being said, I think obviously longer term there are other reasons why you need that that agility or flexibility. Um, so we're quite you know, optimistic. We've just actually delivered 150 electric motorcycles to a business in Mexico that is in the quick commerce space. So they're a delivery only grocery business. Yeah. Um, so customers can't walk into their stores. All their real estate is just for delivery. Um, so excited to see new trends like that. Um, we expect that we'll see a lot more exciting. You know, use cases emerge in South Africa, and we just want to make sure we're we're ready to serve them while you know getting a, ahead of what this business use case might look like. Uh, but that's really the long-term aspiration for us. So on the one side, these asset companies; the other side, you know, the users of these assets. Uh, we think in the middle, this engine that assesses risk profile and ensures that the entire ecosystem is kept safe and productive. Yeah. That's that's where we can be, you know, a, a, a great leader. Uh, without having to carry any assets on our own balance sheet because that's not our core capability. Okay, cool. And then finally, uh, the business, because you guys are a technology startup and there's a lot of excitement you know, around this space, a lot of investment um, that's coming in. We're seeing a lot of interest um, from local players, international players, etc. You know, it's about, uh, I think the tool is... Uh, are you guys, I think the question that's asked to all, uh, to all founders is, are you guys raising at the moment? <laughs> and then the second question is um, whether or not you are raising, but what are you guys actually thinking of investing in? You know, is it, is it talent? Is it, you know, uh, because I know talent and the platform is sometimes literally the same thing. Uh, but how are you guys thinking about investments? So the first short answer is that we're always raising. <laughs> um, no, but but jokes aside, I think we are you know, constantly on the lookout for the right sort of capital partners that will help us achieve the next milestone in our product. As a technology business, we're thinking about our product you know, through this like milestone-driven lens. Um, so we have a, a few ideas around what we want this product to to look like in two years' time, and then you know two years from then, um, and obviously constantly having discussions with investors that believe in the same vision or get excited about the same vision. Um, so you know if if that becomes something material and chunky, uh, of course we'll definitely be giving you a ring to let you know that. Something has changed. There are a new group of investors that are now looking to power what Flesh Club is yeah. over the next two years and beyond. Yeah. Um, as far as um, yeah, the other piece is concerned in terms of what specifically are we looking to invest in, you're quite right that in technology, people and technology are, are deeply intertwined. Um, so the investment that we need to make is actually investing in building a bigger team that can make this product real. Yeah. You know, so we have a vision, an idea, a roadmap, if you will, for what these product milestones are, uh, but these milestones certainly cannot be achieved if we don't have the right team members, you know, working with us um, to, to drive this forward. So any investments we make have always been around expanding our team, whether that be our technical team, so, you know, product management, engineering, analytics, uh, but also operations. A lot of a lot of stuff happens under the operational umbrella, you know. So typical marketing, um, you know, fulfillment, sales, customer support, um, and then even some of our, our support functions that drive and power the rest of the business. So you know, naturally, how do you make sure that as this team grows, that the experience of every team member is is one that they're happy about and excited about and that you need a people slash HR function to drive that. Um, and then you also need a finance function to make sure that all the ones and zeros are in the right place. Um, and um, yeah, I think we're 
we've been you know investing you know along the way over the last three years. Uh, but suffice to say, we've seen quite a lot of growth over the last 12 months. We went from a team of a little over 20 people to now 50 people. Um, so even that you know, comes with a certain responsibility to level up the infrastructure upon which this team this team is is run. Um, and that leveling up will continue if we talk about, well, what's our path to you know, 60, 70, 80, 100 employees? Um, and that's exactly where our capital goes uh, in, in making sure we can we can make that that leap. Mm. So that's been us. We're talking to Tinashe Ruzane, who is uh, uh, a co-founder and the CEO of Flex Club. Uh, they are a subscription cost service. It's been quite a fascinating and wide-ranging discussion just around um, what subscription, you know, what does it mean to be a subscription cost service? Um, actually defining, you know, how subscriptions differ uh, from things like rentals, things like leases, and then the partnerships that are actually uh, making the platform you know, actually exist um, from the Avis's. Uh, I, I think he mentioned a couple Avis, Europe, etc. There are a bunch of um, you know fleet owners that are using uh, the platform as a distribution channel, and he's actually saying that you know as time goes by, you know they're actually trying to see what other types of businesses um, you know might be able to use uh, the type of platform you know that they are building because um, to use the example earlier on, um, you know. Just because you you make Kellogg's does not necessarily mean you have to be the one uh, to go and sell those same Kellogg's in the in in the shops. You know, there's all of those partnerships. And then talking about um, you know the investment journey over the years, they have raised about six million or a hundred six million dollars or a hundred million rand so far. And um, like any startup, like you said, you know they're always uh, you know always raising funds uh, because that's where things are going. Uh, it would be great to talk to him again you know again in future because so much going on in the startup space so much going on in the capital raising space you know to be good to pick um tinashe's mind you know yet again in future around you know those particular um issues uh but then you know moving forward you know he is saying that there has been and i think this is a way one of the keys keys is going to be because um on this platform we did we have spoken to you know fleet owners and we did i remember we had a conversation with uh apps of vehicle financing sometime last year as well as Barlow World. And we were talking about how the pandemic, you know, moved people from a situation of buying new cars uh, to a situation where we're now seeing um, used cars, you know, coming up even more in the market. And at some point, it seems some of the used cars are even more expensive than the new cars, you know, owing itself to, you know, the laws of supply and demand, which is very ironic, uh, but it is what it is. And now you have to his team saying, okay, let's forget about the buying, let's forget about, you know, the, the used car subscriptions you know this is this is this is the thing so we're going to wait to see how that goes and uh, i think the key one for me was just that fact um that uh, you do see that evolution so it would be great uh, to see how things do go on going forward so that's been it Tinashe. thank you so much for being with us today thank you buddy for having me great pleasure this is mudiwa's take uh, great conversation that we had there with Tinashe, and I really think um, it 
hints to um, an issue um, that we've been watching for a number of years now, this evolution in consumer behaviors. Um, on the side of, uh, you know, normal retail, we've been following the story of how back in the day people would walk into a retail shop, you look at goods, you pick out some goods, you go to the counter, you buy them, you go home, you consume. But now because of COVID-19 restrictions on movement, we saw that rise in e-commerce, that rise um, in online retail. And we talk about that as a shift in consumer behavior. Same can be said about the world of um, content when it comes to music and video consumption. Uh, back in the day, you had to go buy a DVD, you had to go to a cinema, you had to you know, go to a concert, you had to go to Musica, you know, to go buy CDs. But um, consumer behavior has shifted to a stage where all of that stuff can be done on streaming. So when it comes to the vehicle market is going to be interesting to see whether subscri subscriptions is that next stage of the evolution as we've seen um, in other parts of the consumer market, you know, simply because it seems more and more um, consumers have more choice. Consumers have different options, um, you know, that they can get, uh, that they can take um, advantage of. And uh, out there, there's people that talk about lifestyle design, um, you know, simply to say that, you know, it's, sometimes it's not about, you know, owning a particular house, owning a particular car, but rather designing yourself so that you have access to the type of car that you want, access to the type of house that you want. So in a world where we're seeing all of these different changes, um, I'm really keen to see how this is going to um, how this is going to develop. And especially in the in the target in the market um, that Tinashe has identified, because now they've shifted over 90% of their base at the moment is consumers but particularly in south africa it's consumers that are earning over thirty thousand rand and above and that's considered to be your middle class and if we look around and if we look in the context of south africa that's your middle class and in the united states right now there's this issue of young professionals and the great resignation and all of this stuff right how is all of that stuff also then going to you know lend itself to the way that people buy and consume you know vehicles what other thing, you know, that we take for granted is going to find itself having a subscription uh, model going forward? We wait and see. And that's been it for this edition of the Business Day Spotlight. Remember that you can find our latest podcast on Business Live. That's under the podcast Business Day Spotlight tab on Twitter. We're hashtag BD Spotlight. And remember that you can review and subscribe for free on iono.fm, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Pocket Casts, or wherever you choose to get your pods casted. Thank you to our amazing team. Our producer is Paige Muller. I've been Mudio Gavaza of the Business Day and Financial Mail. And this has been another edition of the Business Day Spotlight which is a multimedia live production. So for myself and the rest of the team, it is a good evening, good afternoon, and good morning.